So today we're talking about the times in life when we're disappointed. And when I was thinking about disappointment, that movie clip came to mind in the Christmas season. If you know the story, little Ralphie, the entire movie is longing to open up a present and have it be this BB gun that he's been hoping for, dreaming of, and every present he opens is not it. And that present in particular is a massive disappointment for him. We're starting today a series called God With Us, and we're actually going through the Christmas story in Luke chapters 1 and 2, and we're starting in Luke chapter 1 today with some parts of the Christmas story that maybe you've never heard before. The theme in each of these messages is going to be that God is with us, and of course that's what Christmas is all about, that when God saw humanity wrestling and struggling with sin and with pain and with sickness, he didn't walk away, but he chose to be with us in the person of Jesus and for all who trust in him to make a way to a place where there will be no pain and suffering. But even in the problems of this world, God is with us. And we're going to learn today about the way that God is with us in disappointment. He's with you in your disappointment. I don't know if your disappointment is like Ralphie's or maybe it's much more serious. I remember a moment of disappointment in the life of my daughter Zoe. This happened about 18 months ago. It was not at a school here in our area, okay, but Zoe was at a school, a private school, and uh, here's a picture of me and Zoe around this time. Zoe's just this precious, tender, loving little creature. She's just the most sensitive little thing. And uh, we were at this big awards ceremony at the end of the school year, and essentially all the parents are sitting on the bleachers, all the students are down front, and one class at a time, the students kind of take the stage, and the teachers have these different awards. Well, this is not a kind of school where everyone gets an award just for participating, okay? And this was a school where they announced this award, and, and forgive me that I don't remember the exact title of it, but it was essentially the award for the A-plus student who's the most externally perfect looking, who never interrupted the teacher, who's the teacher's pet Prissius Child Award. <laughs> that, that was kind of the gist of it, okay? And I'm watching as they announce this award, and it's just going to be one student, and I'm looking at all the girls sitting next to Zoe, all the girls in her class, and I see all their faces, and I realize there's going to be a lot of disappointment here really soon. And here's the thing I know. I, uh, sadly, I know that none of my kids are ever going to get that particular award. <laughs> In my family, we just talk too much. We're a little too creative, a little too spontaneous. Even when we're really trying to look perfect, we still mess up. So I, I knew that she wasn't really in the running, but she didn't know that. And I could just see her face as they announce this award and they describe it and there's this little plaque and I can just see her eyes. And I, I, as her dad, I'm watching from the bleachers, I just know what's going on in her heart and her mind. She's really thinking about how hard she's been working at school, how much she's been trying to have self-control and work hard on her homework. And I know that from her perspective, she's thinking she's really got a shot at it. And then they announce who it is. And of course, this like picture perfect little angel goes up and gets the award. And I see, I see the tears in Zoe's eyes as I'm watching from the bleachers. And it was this moment as a dad where I just felt her disappointment. You know that emotion? Maybe you felt it as a child or maybe you felt it very recently. Maybe you had hoped your marriage would go one way, but it has gone a completely different way. Maybe you were hoping and planning 
for a new job and either the job fell through or you actually got the new job but it hasn't gone like you thought it would and it's been disappointing. Maybe you were hoping for a child and instead what you've gotten is trip after trip to doctors and specialists and hospitals and instead of a child, you've gotten an emotional roller coaster. You live long enough and you become well acquainted with disappointment. And here's the question we're asking today. What can you do when life deeply disappoints you? What can you do when you find yourself in the position that Zoe was in? What can you do when you've hoped and you've dreamed and you've even prayed and you've believed and it just looks impossible and the best way to describe it is I'm just disappointed. Well, as always, God's word speaks into our raw emotions, our real lives, and God speaks to us hope. He speaks to us inspiration. And we're going to look into the word of God and we're going to find his answer to this question, believe it or not, right at the beginning of the Christmas story. Starting in Luke chapter 1, we get a story of a couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who have loved God and they've served God, but they have lived in disappointment, not just for a few months or even a few years, but actually for decades. And here's how the story begins. When Herod was king of Judea, now this is the same Herod who, when Jesus is born, is going to hear there's a new king and he's actually going to go out and, and kill a bunch of babies. This is an evil guy because he's afraid of Jesus. But this same Herod was king of Judea. There was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. And I've highlighted that because this is really important to understand. Zechariah and Elizabeth, God could not have been more pleased with them. God was not in any way upset with them. They're righteous in God's eyes. They're careful to obey all of God's commandments and regulations. And yet, even though they're righteous in God's eyes, they had no children. And we're going to see as the story goes on that this was their biggest dream and hope and desire in life was to have children. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to. Think about those two words, unable to. It's very often the preface to our stories of disappointment begins with those words. There's something we long for, dream of, and we either lose something we had or we're unable to get something we dreamed of and we're unable to. The verse goes on, it says, Elizabeth was unable to conceive. This one dream she had, she was unable to conceive. And now time has passed. It hasn't just been a few months or years, but decades have rolled on and Elizabeth's body has aged and changed and she knows now that her body has gone through transitions where biologically she's never going to be able to have a child. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, they know disappointment not only in the moment, but they know what it is to live for years and decades to kind of sit in disappointment. Interestingly, Zechariah is still serving God. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. 
While the incense is being burned there in the temple, a great crowd stood outside praying. And while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear. Now, we're going to see this happen over and over in the Christmas story. When the angels show up, people are afraid. And the reason for that is that angels, in reality, do not look like the little precious moments ceramic figurines. They don't look like little hallmark things. They, they're not like the angel on the top of your tree. Angels are spiritually muscular beings of a higher order than we are. And they're more powerful than we are. They're created by God like we are, but they're of a different order and they're of a different realm. And so if you're ever to encounter an angel in real life, an unveiled angel, you're gonna know for sure. And it's a scary thing because you're encountering supernatural power that you know is greater than you and is of a different order than you. And so Zechariah, just like Mary later when an angel's gonna appear to young Mary, the mother of Jesus, he's afraid. And every time that happens, the angels say this, don't be afraid, the angel said to Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Now, you wonder for Zechariah, what's going through his head in this moment? I mean, first of all, whoa, giant supernatural being, I'm afraid. And now the being says, don't be afraid, okay, I still am, but I'm trying not to be. And then the angel says, God has heard your prayer. And I wonder if he's thinking, you know, what prayer? Like my prayers in here as a priest for the nation, what prayers? And now the angel's gonna answer that question. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. Now we don't know for sure if Zachariah was still praying for this after his wife got too old to have kids. This might be a prayer from years ago that God had heard, or it might be something he was still praying, believing that God could do miracles. Either way, God heard his prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son. You're to name him John. You will have that joy and that gladness that you wondered if you'd ever experienced because of your disappointment. But God's gonna do something even better. Many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, this is a lot like Samson in the Old Testament, Samson the, the muscle guy. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks because instead of being filled with that, he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. And he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord, the Messiah, the Christ, God with us. What Zechariah and Elizabeth and all their friends and family were waiting for was for the Messiah to come. And now this angel appears and says, not only are you going to miraculously have a child and your disappointment will be turned into a miracle, but this isn't just going to be any child. This will be the child who introduces the Messiah. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. And this is a miracle. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure that this will actually happen? I'm an old man and my wife is also, this is kind of the nice proper way of saying we're way too old to have kids, right? She's mature, okay? My wife is mature. I don't know how this is is gonna work. And the story goes on, I'll skip over a little part, but the angel says, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the very presence of God. And it was God who sent me to bring you this good news. 
Interesting, another angel who will appear to the shepherds is gonna say, behold, I bring you good news, same word, of great joy that will be for all people. The news of Christmas and the news that God brings to earth is not bad news, it's good news. That there's hope, that there's healing, that there's salvation, that we will be sustained in this life, that our prayers will be answered, and that there's an eternal life where all our problems will be solved. Well, the story goes on and says this, when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. And soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth, she did become pregnant, and she went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, Elizabeth exclaimed. Clearly a first-time mother, right? Okay, maybe not a good joke. Okay. How kind the Lord is, truly. You know what I like about this? It says so much about Elizabeth's character. You know, they're living in disappointment for at least 30 years, and they're still serving God, Zechariah's in the temple. And now here's Elizabeth. She finally gets pregnant way late in the game, and she could be like, okay, God, it's about time. You know, I mean, we've been faithful to you all this time. She could have had a very entitled, God, we never stopped serving you. We never stopped believing. We've been good, righteous people. It's about time you answered our prayer. But instead, her heart is revealed in this statement where instead she says, how kind the Lord is. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. So what does this story teach us? about the very, disappoint, very real disappointments in your life and in mine. And it teaches us this, that in our disappointment, God is not absent. You need to know today that in your disappointment, God is not absent. Just like I saw my little Zoe when she was standing on that stage and I could see the tears in her eyes and I knew what she was feeling and I was feeling it. God says to you that he's near to the brokenhearted. He upholds those who are crushed in spirit. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And in your disappointment, he is not absent. He is with you. You think of this for Zechariah and Elizabeth, and he was with them every month in those first years of pregnancy. In that culture, Elizabeth probably got married as a teenager and every month she's hoping for a baby, she's hoping for a pregnancy. And those months roll on of disappointment. And then those years roll on. And she starts to show up at the family reunions where all of her other cousins and sisters are having babies and she's empty-handed and she holds their babies. Eventually she's gonna hold a little baby named Mary who will grow up and come to the age of bearing children, and Elizabeth still doesn't have one. And in every up and down of her disappointment, every season, every year, every decade, God had not abandoned her, even though it felt like it. In other words, God still sees you, and he still has dreams for you, even when it doesn't look like it. God sees you today. God has dreams for you, just like he did for Zechariah and Elizabeth. And for 30 years, it looked and felt and seemed like God had abandoned them, had forgotten them, would never answer their prayers, but he was actually still with them. And he actually had a plan far bigger than they could have imagined. I want to give you four simple assurances for you today, wherever you face 
disappointment. And the first is this, that devastating loss or lack does not mean that God has turned away from you. Devastating loss or lack. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they knew both of these words. I'm not sure which one for you touches your heart more, losing something or lacking something. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they lost their dream of having a child and having a family, and they lacked the ability to conceive. And it's easy to conclude when we find ourselves in that position that God has turned away from us, that God is judging us, that God is mad at us. As a pastor, this is one of the common themes I find when people are going through suffering. For some reason, we jump to this conclusion, God must be mad at me. But we saw right in the text, it says in the same verse that Zechariah and Elizabeth are righteous in God's eyes, and yet they're without children. And so the fact that they were without children was not some punishment. God had not turned away from them. I think of that moment where I saw Zoe standing on that stage, and I could see what she was going through. I didn't rush the stage and say, this is ridiculous. You're making all these kids feel bad and haul my daughter out. I didn't do that. But I was sitting there watching and feeling and thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to make sure my daughter knows that she is worthy, that she is loved, that someone sees her effort? And I was watching, and I was thinking, and I had a plan, and God's watching you, and he's feeling what you're feeling, and he has a plan. You know, we see all through scripture that people who love God and with whom God is well pleased often go through suffering. Jesus actually said to his followers, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We look at Abraham and Sarah back at the beginning of God's story when God promises them you'll have a child who will be the parent of many nations and then for decades Sarah showed up at family reunions just like Elizabeth, empty-handed while all her sisters and cousins are having babies and she has nothing to show. But God had a plan, and after decades, Abraham and Sarah did have a child. God had never turned his back on them. We have the book of Job, where we're told the most famous story of suffering in human history. When Job loses his health and he loses his family, he loses his possessions and his career, he loses everything, and we know from the story that God is not mad at Job. God is not punishing Job. God's not upset with Job. And all through it, God has this plan that Satan is the one who takes and kills and steals and destroys. And God sees Satan doing this to Job and God knows I'm gonna restore to him tenfold. I'm gonna restore to him when the story's done, he's gonna go through this really hard chapter but when the story's done, I'm going to have my way and Job's going to have way more than he had in the beginning. Sometimes you meet Christians who mean well but don't really understand the word of God. And they say, if you just have enough faith, you'll always be healed. Well, it's true that God can heal and does miracles and God does respond to our faith. But we don't get to manipulate God and say, I have enough faith, you have to heal me. If it was true that having enough faith would always heal, then we would have Christians from the New Testament, like Paul the Apostle, who would still be with us because they never died, they never got sick. But they're not here because 
what we see in scripture is that people with the most faith often do go through suffering. That's why Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He's not the author of pain, but this world has been broken by Satan and there will be pain in this world. The message of Christmas is that when God saw us in our pain, he didn't walk away, he didn't turn his back, he stepped down into our world and he carried our pain, he felt our pain. And now for all who believe in him, we're guaranteed a bridge, a path to an eternal life where there will be no pain. So was God mad at Zechariah and Elizabeth? No. Was he mad at Abraham and Sarah in their disappointment? No. Was he mad at Job? No. Was he mad at Paul the apostle with his thorn in the flesh, a physical health condition, chronic sickness? No. Is God mad at you? If you've placed your faith in Christ, you can know that God is never mad at you. Look at this application. Where do I need to know that God is pleased with me and not punishing me? Is there a disappointment in your life where you've fallen for that whisper, that deceiving voice that says, you're probably going through this because God doesn't like you? Or you're probably going through this because God is punishing you? Now, here's what we have to understand. When we make mistakes, we have consequences for our mistakes. For example, uh, I, I was chopping firewood the other day and I missed the log and I almost hit my shin and I realized in that moment, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I nearly sliced my leg open. I need to come up with a different way of doing this, okay? It, it, you know, in life we make mistakes and we have consequences, and, and if you mess your marriage up, you'll have consequences for it. If you make a bad investment, you'll have consequences for it. There's a lot of times in life where we get our own consequence, like if I had hit my leg, and we say, why is God punishing me? Well, that wasn't God. God wasn't holding the hatchet. That was me. You know, that, was, that was on me. So there's sometimes where we blame God when it's us. But here's the other thing. There is in Scripture an idea of supernatural punishment and judgment that God gives out. But here's the important thing to understand, and this is all about Christmas, that when Jesus died on the cross, what he did is he absorbed all of the supernatural punishment and judgment for sin upon himself. So the important thing for you and me to know is, have I had a moment in my life where I've believed in Jesus? And I've said, God, I believe you're free. I receive your free gift of salvation. I believe Jesus died for me. If you've received that, if you haven't, you can do it right now. You say, God, I believe. I know I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I want to live life your way. Jesus, I believe you're God and died on the cross for me. You can receive it right now. The moment you receive that, Scripture teaches that from that moment on, the righteousness, remember that word in Zechariah and Elizabeth's story? They were righteous in God's eyes. That means they were without sin in God's eyes. The righteousness of Jesus, who never sinned, gets applied to you. So when God looks at you, it's almost like he's looking through a lens of Jesus. And he sees Jesus' perfection and righteousness on you and on me when we place our faith in Christ. For by grace are we saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. So you need to know you've received that Christmas gift. And if you've received it, then you can know that no matter what you go through in this life, God's not punishing you for making some mistake. In this world, you will have troubles. He will sustain you. And just like Zachariah and Elizabeth, if you stay faithful to him in the season of disappointment, 
you will see him turn your disappointment into a miracle. Sometimes we see it in this life, sometimes we see it in the next. But my heart for you today is very simply to connect these spiritual dots and know in your disappointment, God's not punishing you. He's not against you. He's for you. He's with you. He will sustain you and he will bring good from this if you'll keep turning to him. Second thing I'd like to share with you is this, that we can keep serving God when life's not going right. You can keep serving God even as you walk through disappointment. So interesting to me in the story we read that the one verse says, Zechariah and Elizabeth are living in disappointment and now they're very old. They've been living in disappointment for decades. And then the very next verse says that Zechariah is serving God in the temple. We see it in Zechariah's actions and we also saw it in Elizabeth's words. They still had this heart that said, God, even when life's hard, we're gonna keep obeying you. One day at a time, we're gonna take the next step of faith forward. We're gonna keep doing what you say with our lives. At bedtime, I've been reading through some books of the Bible with Jack, my oldest, and recently we were reading through Joshua and Judges, all these stories of great adventures and wars and battles. And there's this one battle in particular where God has promised this land, the promised land to his people, And the people go in to take it, but it's already taken by these evil people who don't like God, and they've built up this giant fortified city with these huge walls. City's called Jericho. And God's people get there, and they realize we do not have any technology or capability to defeat this city. There's nothing we can do. And God speaks to their leader, and God says, I'm going to show my power. I'm going to do a miracle. Here's what I want you to do. You march around the walls every day for a certain number of days in a row. And then on the seventh day, you're gonna march around the walls seven times. Now I'm reading this with Jack. And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking about how hard it is to get my three kids in the car for a road trip. You know, it it takes like 20 minutes to get coats and shoes on, it seems like. And so I'm thinking, how do they get a million people with kids to march all the way around this giant city and you can imagine the people in the city as the, as the Israelites are marching around that they're throwing down vegetables or whatever else they want to throw down on these people, you know? And, and after six days of this, not a rock has moved, nothing has happened. God promises that after the seventh time on the seventh day, the walls are going to fall. There's got to be some doubt. There's got to be some fatigue. There's got to be some disappointment. You know, they didn't have Dr. Scholl's or really nice shoe inserts or anything, I mean, they're, they're like on foot in the, the desert conditions, walking around this city day after day after day. And think about it. If they had given up after the sixth time around, or think about it this way. If their leader had taken a poll after the sixth time around, hey, a million people, let's take a survey. How many of you want to do this again with your kids and livestock for uh, seven more times tomorrow? Probably 900,000 of the million people would have said, no, we're done. But they kept going, and then miraculously, as they complete what God said to do, those walls miraculously fell down. And it's this reminder for us where God has given you a dream, where God has called you to something, and you say, I've been marching, I've been waiting, and the walls are not falling to not give up, because it might just be one lap 
away. So don't give up. Because God is faithful to do it. He will provide the miracles. But our faith shows itself when our feet move. And you can keep serving God even in your disappointment. Don't give up marching around the walls. Don't give up serving in the temple. Don't give up praying. You might be in the hardest chapters of your life story, but your life story is not over. The end has not been written. And God reminds you today, he sees you, he's with you, and you can keep choosing him. So your application here is this. What's one way that I can serve God during my season of disappointment? This is you and your spirit saying that like Zachariah and Elizabeth, I'm gonna resolve to be faithful to God because I believe he's faithful to me. I'm gonna show that I'm faithful to him. And so I'm gonna fight for this thing. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna keep going. What's one specific way you can keep serving God? Maybe it's being a positive spiritual influence, a spiritual leader in your home to your spouse or to your kids or to your grandkids. Or maybe it's with some friends or in your small group that you say, you know what? I don't necessarily feel like praying right now, but I'm still gonna lead this group in prayer because that's what I'm called to do. I'm called to lead my children spiritually. I might not feel like getting up and going to church, but I'm gonna take my kids to church and I'm gonna lead them spiritually, which by the way, you did today, so way to go, okay? It's saying, I'm gonna keep serving God no matter what. I got a picture of this today because there's a couple in our church who were pregnant and they had a dream for their child and a dream for their life. And the pregnancy, the child came way, way early and was born a couple months ago at one pound, three ounces. So this baby is in the NICU, neonatal intensive care unit. And as of today, he has doubled his weight. He's two pounds, seven ounces. So he's just this tiny, miniature, perfectly formed, miniature little guy. And uh, this couple, they serve on our production team with the lights and the sound and make it so you can all hear me. And I'm, I'm back there and I see the mom. I said, what are you guys doing here? She said, you know, the church has come around us so much during this time and we figure we're paying for the most expensive babysitters in the world right now. <laughs> and we're kind of sick of being at the hospital. So we thought we'd come and serve like we always do. I said, oh my goodness, you guys are doing, you're doing exactly what Zachariah and Elizabeth did. You're in your disappointment and you're saying, God, I still choose to believe you and I show my faith by continuing to serve you even when it's hard. What an inspiration they are to me. Well, like Zachariah, you can show your faith with actions. Third, you can know this, that God sees your suffering and he hears your prayers even when it doesn't seem like it. You might remember that quote in the story where Gabriel, this powerful angel, says to Zechariah, God has heard your prayers. And once Gabriel explains it's the prayers for a child, God heard them, you know, Zechariah might be wondering, okay, great, you're 30 years late. You know, I mean, there's a lot of times in my life where when, when it really shows that God answered the prayer was way after I wanted it to be. But he had been hearing it all along. And it's a reminder for you. You know, we don't know, did Zachariah quit praying after Elizabeth hit menopause and just say, well, it's impossible? 
or did he keep praying? We don't know. But in either case, God had heard his prayers. These might be prayers that are 10, 15 years old at this point, or it might be that he kept believing for a miracle. But interestingly, God does not put the emphasis on Zechariah. God puts the emphasis on his faithfulness. And so the application for us is very simple. It's this simple question. How can you keep praying? You ask God for persevering faith. Ask God for persevering faith. You know, there's a story in scripture of a man who comes to Jesus for a healing. And the man says, Lord, I believe, but would you help my unbelief? And that's a prayer that Jesus always answers. And when you're going through disappointment and you say, God, I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to to trust that you're for me and you're hearing these prayers, but I just don't know if I have enough faith. You can just say, God, would you give me a persevering faith? Would you help me to believe? As I thought over different times in my life when I've experienced extreme disappointment, I thought of this application. Because there was a, a season during about three years of extended disappointment for my wife and me, where I had to start praying this because I knew God was with us and for us, but I was starting to run out of faith. And so I just started asking him, God, will you help my unbelief? Will you sustain me? Will you help me? This was during the three-year process of adopting our youngest daughter, Evie. Here's a picture of Evie at the orphanage where she was born in Haiti. This is actually Evie over here in the middle. My wife, Melanie, and I started praying for Evie before she was even born. We didn't know who she was. And then a week after her birth, we did know who she was, and we filed all the paperwork, and it was the beginning of a three-year emotional roller coaster in which the dominant theme was disappointment because it seemed like every month the orphanage would call with some other heartbreaking news that the Haitian government had changed a law or the international body that oversees international adoptions had changed a law, or U.S. Customs and Immigration had changed a policy. And so the whole thing's gonna fall through, and then a month later you get another call, the whole thing's back on track, up and down, up and down, for three years. And in it all, you're investing thousands of dollars in a child that you know needs a home, and you believe God has called you to provide for, and when you go and visit her, you have to leave her at the orphanage. And through it all, just these ups and downs of disappointment. And so many times when you, we wondered, is this thing ever going to actually happen? And I found myself having to pray that application I gave you of just saying, God, will you sustain our faith? Will you preserve our faith that you're in this, that you have a story that's bigger than our story, and you know exactly the perfect time for her to come home to us. We would have loved to have gotten her home at month two or month six or year two, but God had a story. And we now see number four, encouragement for you that God's plan is bigger and better than we could ever dream. God's plan is bigger and better than we could ever dream. You might recall in Zechariah's story, the angel says, Not only are you going to have a child like you've prayed for, but this child is going to be mighty in God's eyes. This child is going to introduce the Messiah of humanity to humanity. 
Your child will be the one prophet in all of human history who will have thousands of followers and who will point to the Messiah and say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, follow him. And thousands of people will flock to the Messiah because of your child. Zechariah and Elizabeth, by staying faithful to God, when a few chapters of your little story don't go right, by staying faithful to God, you're now going to have a central role in the biggest story of humanity at the most crucial climactic moment of the story, the man on whom calendar dates will be based, the man who is literally God in the flesh among us is going to be childhood friends with your son. And your son will be the one who gathers the momentum of a movement of people and says, now follow Jesus. God's plan was way bigger, way better than they expected. Sometimes, as you trust God in your disappointment, you see the bigger and better plan in this life. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they saw it way at the very end of their life. And sometimes you see it right before God calls you home to heaven. You see that the plan was bigger and better. Other times, it's right on the other side of that barrier. When you open your eyes in heaven and you look back and you see how God is master engineering everything together and you will realize, wow, his plan was way bigger and way better. With the story of our daughter, Evie, and that three years of disappointment in that adoption process, we've gotten to see in this life that God's plan was bigger and better. Here's a picture of Evie right after we got her home, her and Zoe. I had gotten to a point in the emotional roller coaster of international adoption where I just kind of said in my heart, you know what? I believe this is supposed to be our daughter. I believe we're supposed to care for her. We're going to keep paying however much it takes to get her uh, into a safe place, but I'm not going to fully let down my emotional walls and say she's my daughter until we're flying on a plane back to the United States. And so that's a moment I'll never forget as the plane was taxiing down the runway of Port-au-Prince, Haiti, and then as it actually lifted off into the air, looking out the windows, looking at the desolate poverty where she had been born, and just having tears fill up in my eyes to look down and see her on the seat sleeping there, resting on her way to something bigger and better than she ever could have dreamed. And for us, it was this moment where we got to see it in this life. And as you keep trusting God, believing God, sometimes you do get to see it in this life. Sometimes we trust that we'll have that moment in the next life. God tells us this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. He says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So as you continue to love God like Zachariah and Elizabeth did, you can claim this promise. And in your seasons of disappointment, you can say, God, you've promised me your plans are bigger and better, so I might not feel it right now. And it doesn't seem like it right now, but I'm going to cling to your promises because God, you are faithful. Anytime it seems like a no in this life, if you stay faithful to God, you'll see that he has something bigger and something better than you ever could have dreamed. So don't give up. Keep persevering. Keep believing in the one who promises he will work all things 
together for the good of those who love him. What does this mean for you? Well, it means you can receive this story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. You can receive it not just as some Bible principle out there in the intellectual realm, but you can absorb it into the fabric of your heart and your soul, and you can say today, in my disappointment, God is not absent. And you can say today, God has dreams for me beyond what I could ask or what I could imagine. I mentioned earlier that I would tell you the rest of Zoe's story when she was at that awards ceremony. And I saw the emotion in her face. So when that, when that little gathering dismissed, Zoe ran up to me. And I scooped her up in my arms. I held her right here. And I looked her right in the eyes and I said, Zoe, you got to know that I see you. I see how hard you're working. I see how loving you are and how sweet you are with your classmates and how hard you've tried to be a good girl for your teacher and you've been a great girl. And I just need you to know I've got a special award for you. Of course, I had to make it up on the spot. <laughs> I said, Zoe, I'm giving you the award for the most loving and loyal and hardworking girl in your class. And I thought I'd take you to Target and you can pick out your award there. <laughs> Because that whole time I was watching her, you know, I didn't storm the stage and it probably felt to her like she was alone in that moment, but I was seeing her and I was feeling and I was anticipating and I was thinking, how do I show the heart of the heavenly father to my daughter? And here's the thing, God brought you here today because he wants you to know that he sees you and he feels what you're feeling. He knows how hard you're trying. And it's not just some nice warm idea, but the word of God says that he has awards for you in heaven as you stay faithful to him, as you persevere in believing. So don't give up today. The God who promised is faithful. I wanna pray that for you now. Father, across this place, Lord, you see our disappointments. And today, Lord, as we've opened our hearts to you, you have given us the medicine, the, the healing salve of your word to say that you're faithful, to say that in our disappointment, we're not abandoned, to say that you see us and you hear us. And God, across this room, Lord, I just pray for faith to believe that and to receive that, Lord, that you're with us, that you're for us. So Father, we just wanna take some moments right now and we want to choose the faith of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we're gonna choose to just say, God, I'm marching around these walls and they haven't fallen, but I'm not gonna stop marching and I'm not gonna stop believing because greater is he who's in us and the one who promised is faithful. And so God, we place our faith in you today and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.